Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. I'm going to invite Pastor Chance and Pastor Alyssa to join me on the stage today. Pastor and Chance and Pastor Alyssa are tremendous friends of our church. They're friends of mine and Erica. A couple of years ago, they were on our staff. Pastor Alyssa was the children's pastor here at our church. Yeah. Pastor Chance was serving as the Chi Alpha College Ministry Director at Upper Iowa University and pioneered that ministry a number of years ago and grew it into something amazing. And there were students that would drive an hour from Fayette every single Sunday, and they would come and be a part of our church because of, uh, of your leadership, and we were grateful for that. A couple of years ago, Pastor Alyssa sat in my office, and she said, God is calling us back to Minot State. They're originally from uh, North Dakota, and I said, the devil is a liar. It's not what he said to you. You are hearing from the wrong person. That's not what, God wouldn't tell you to leave us. Uh, he would tell you to stay here, no. But in all seriousness, it's been fun to be a part of your journey as you left North Dakota to then come to Upper Iowa University. And at that time, I was serving as the Chi Alpha Director. And it was just fun to see you guys walk in obedience to God and to see that campus ministry flourish under your leadership. And now you said, you know what, we're gonna leave the comfortable because God's calling us to, not because we want to, but because God's calling us to. And we're going to go to a different campus, and we're going to do the hard work and the heart work first, and we're going to believe God to send a revival to, uh, to that campus. And it's been fun over the last couple of years to hear from the two of you what God has been doing. And I know that this weekend you're in town for a regional Chi Alpha deal, and so I've just invited them to come and just give an update of what God has been doing. And so would you join me in welcoming Pastor Chance and Pastor Alyssa as they share. Thank you so much, Pastor Jonathan. What an incredible church. We wanted to come back and say thank you, and we love you, we miss you, and we're so grateful to be back. Uh, man, we went to Minot State University three years ago, two and a half years ago, whenever it was, and, and we began to go with a, a small group of students, and we, we raised up people, and they are going and, and raising up more disciples. And we believe that disciples need to raise up disciples that raise up disciples, and that is the, the, the model that Jesus gave us. And so that is what we're trying to do at Minot State University. And right now we have four small groups going on our campus. We have about 30 students involved in our ministry. We are seeing baptisms in the Holy Spirit. We are seeing healings. We are seeing salvations. And so uh, I want to invite Alyssa to share one of those stories of salvations. It is so exciting to be back. First service was amazing. And God is moving. God is moving here. And uh, God gave me a word this morning that he wanted to heal someone's neck. And praise God, we saw healings. I saw two complete healings this morning. And God is moving. And I, as I was praying for this service, I feel like God wants you to know that he's not done. That if you have a physical, emotional, or spiritual healing, don't leave this place without getting prayer. Because God wants to move in your life, and he wants you to walk out changed and not the same. And when we talk about all these things, we talk about physical healings. There's one point, and that's to bring more glory to Jesus. And the greatest healing we ever see is salvation. 
It is miraculous. It's bringing the dead to life. And we had a student um, who our students prayed for for two years. They continued to press in and pray for the student. They invited her in. They invited her into their life. They spent time with her. They nurtured the relationship. And they continued to pray before God that God would move in, in this student's life. And I can tell you that the beginning of the semester, God just started, the Holy Spirit started softening her and moving in her because she felt like she had no need for God, that she was good. But she ended up, God moved her and she came to Chi Alpha. The Holy Spirit met her. She met God there and she gave her life to Jesus. And that is the greatest testimony that she, her life was saved. Salvation is the greatest gift. And here's the thing is when she walked out, she wasn't the same. I met up with her a few weeks later, and her life was changed. That commitment to God changed her life. She um, was experiencing a lot of anxiety and on anxiety medicine. She's like, hey, I'm taking less of it now because I experienced the peace of God in my life. And now she's on that journey of discipleship, of growing in God and learning about the Bible, and the girls are just surrounding her and investing in her. We had a young man who used to play on the stage uh, his name was Derek, and he transferred from Upper Iowa University to Minot State with us to Pioneer. And him and I, we, we sat in many meetings together just praying and crying out to God for men. Praise the Lord. We have about eight guys now going to small group, and it is still a struggle, and we are pushing through it, though. And God, we're seeing great things. But Derek, we began to pour into him, and we are like, man, wouldn't it be amazing, Alyssa, if he jumped on staff with us? And uh, we just had these visions, and we're like, but everything's an open hand, and Pastor Jonathan, you've taught us that well. Everything you go in with an open hand. You say, they're not mine, they're God's. Everything that I have is not mine, it's God's, even in ministry. And so when he came to us and said, hey, I feel a calling to go to the unreached people groups, we said, praise the Lord. And it began to spark something in Alyssa and I, and we said, you know what, we are called to raise up people to send into the mission field. And so our vision right now is that we would send 10 missionaries in the next five years. It's a high calling and it's a high task, but we believe that it can be done. So praise God. So we just want to thank you because without you, we can't do what we do. You guys invest in us. You've invested in us financially. You've invested in us with prayers, and we're so grateful that you have sent us to fulfill the God's call in our life and to be an expansion of his kingdom because you guys are making an impact in North Dakota, in Minot, North Dakota, and we are so grateful for you guys standing behind us and helping us to do what God has laid on our hearts. Well, wow, thank you guys. We love you so much and are proud of you and proud to see what God is doing. And I just want to say thank you to our church for uh, giving generously with Kingdom Builders. And it's as a result of that that we've been able to send money to them monthly to support them as well as today as they leave. We'll send them away with a gift and it's because of your generosity. And so as they share the stories that they share today, they don't share it in isolation, right? They're not up here to tell you what they've done. Instead, they've stood up here and told you what God is doing through them because of people like you who have invested financially and generously to bless them. And so the fruit and the stories that they share today are just as much their reward as what they are for yours. And so I want to say thank you uh, for that. If you feel comfortable, would you just stretch out your hands uh, towards Pastor Chance and Pastor Alyssa? I just want to pray for them this morning for their family. God, we thank you so much for Pastor Chance and Pastor Alyssa, for the call that you've placed upon their life, for the anointing that resides in them. Lord, to see the work of the Holy 
Spirit working through them on the campus to see miracles, to see life transformation take place, to see healings. God, it's exciting. We rejoice in that. Thank you for the opportunity for sending great people in our lives to get behind, to support, to be able to, to be a part of this. And we pray for the vision that you've given to Pastor Chance and Pastor Alyssa of 10 missionaries in the next 10 years. We celebrate, Derek. We celebrate the first one. But God, we're believing with Pastor Chance and Pastor Alyssa this bold, big, audacious dream that you would raise up missionaries from that campus to go around the world to reach the unreached. And I pray as a church that you would help us elevate to the next level with kingdom builders to be able to not only partner with Pastor Chance and Pastor Alyssa, but those future missionaries who are raised up out of their ministry as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Let's express our appreciation to them one more time. Love you, brother. Bless you. Love you. Thank you. Well, they are a huge blessing. We miss them here at our church, but we know that they're responding and doing what God has asked them to do. When Pastor Alyssa was on our staff, she took the kids to kids camp. And when she came back, uh, here's what she said. She said, Waverly is just full of winners. And so I'll just tell you that whether, when our kids go to kids camp, they dominate. In any contest, our kids dominate. When the youth go to youth camp, woo! They dominate, and so they're just winners, and I think it's just fun to celebrate three different things that have happened in our community this very week. Doug Frizzell was here uh, this morning. He's the women's volleyball coach, and yesterday, let me pull this up so I get it right, they have had an undefeated season, and last night they won the, uh, the Knights were the tournament champions for the first time since 2017 and earned the American Rivers Conference automatic qualifier to the NCAA Division III volleyball tournament. And so... For those of you who are on that team and for Doug as well, we're proud of you and we celebrate that with you. In addition, the Waverly Shell Rock volleyball team, uh, women's volleyball team got second place in the state tournament this week. We celebrate them as well. And then a fun one for me, you know, is Friday night, you know, the Waverly Shell Rock boys won again and they're going to the Dome for the first time in 14 years for the semifinals at four o'clock Thursday. I may have, uh, one of my, I don't know, I'm just going to say it. I am a normal person. And so I am a normal person. Well, my wife is questioning that, okay? So I will just tell you that I have emotions just like you have emotions. So I'm sitting at the game Friday night, and there are just these things that I share. And I just love it at these times when people go, that's my pastor, Right, so I'll talk trash against the other team, and then somebody will go, that's my pastor. And I'm like, listen, I'm not sitting here today as a pastor. I'm sitting here as a father to Jacob, and I'm going to celebrate him tonight, right? And so uh, at the game Friday night, second half was just intense. And so every time they would get a first down, I would stand up and look at everybody who would look. And I would say, ladies and gentlemen, that's another Waverly Shell Rock. First down, that's right. And somebody's like, do you have to preach Sunday? I'm like, we'll see. Otherwise, I'll give you the notes and you can preach on Sunday. And uh, so anyways, a ton of fun on Friday night. We celebrate that. And just cool, you know, not only to celebrate what's taking place here, but uh, we have students from our church that are part of each of those teams. And so we just celebrate what God does in their lives here as well as outside of the church. Well, we have been in a series for forever called I'll Do It 
today. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we've not been in it long enough. So uh, the series is called I'll Do It Today. And honestly, I thought that today we would wrap this message up. And then first service happened and I didn't get halfway. I did get halfway through the message. And so uh, we will finish it up next week and then we'll be done with the series as we have our miracle offering. But too many dreams have been delayed Too many relationships have been destroyed, and way too many people have endured great suffering because of this one phrase that says, I'll do it tomorrow. And so I wonder, what is the thing in your life right now that you find yourself saying, I'll do it tomorrow? I hope that through this series that you've seen that there are some things that are far too important to put off till tomorrow. We've talked about a number of these items in this series that are far too important to put off till tomorrow. The first week we talked about how today is the day to move from isolation into community. The next week we talked about how today is the day to choose forgiveness. And the next week we talked about today is the day to to trust God. The next week, today is the day to dream again. Talked about how this is a race of faith and in order for us to cross the finish line and hear well done, thou good and faithful servant, Today is the day to begin or to continue training and conditioning. We talked about the importance of Sabbath, of taking rest. And last week I preached about from Colossians chapter 3 to take off the old self and to put on the new self. If you missed any of those messages, I would encourage you to listen online at crosspointwaverly.com. Find us on Spotify or on Facebook. And while I mention that, I just want to say this. Over the last couple of weeks, there have been a couple of different families that have come to me and they've said, hey, we've had to miss for this reason or we've had to miss for that reason. And we just want to say thank you to whoever is running the production side of it because it's quality. And while it's not the same as the in-person experience, we're just grateful to have such a quality experience online. And so I just want to say, to the production team behind the scenes. I want to pass that on to you. I want you to know that people value what you're doing and they appreciate it. Let's express our appreciation to them. For those of you who are watching online, maybe you click the like button or you just say thanks or something on there. Let them know how much you appreciate it. Well, this week we're going to continue this series and talk about how today is the day to choose to live generously. Today is the day to choose to live generously, and there are many ways that we can live generously. Last week we talked about in Colossians chapter 3 that we're to take off the sins and to put on the things of God. Verse number 14 of Colossians chapter 3 says to put on love, which ties together all of these things. And in order to put on the things of God, we have to take off the other things. We can be generous with how we demonstrate and distribute love. I grew up in a family that each time we hung up the phone, each time we walked out the door, and each time we went to bed, we looked at our parents, and our parents looked at us, and we said, we we love you. And it's something that I've passed on to our family, and so it's not awkward, it's not forced, it's not superstitious, it's just what we do. And so when I hang up the phone with Erica, and I'll just give this caveat, most times, because we have been married for 19 years, and so there are some times where we're a little more lovey-dovey towards each other than not, but for the majority of the times when we hang up the phone, when we go to bed at night, when we leave the house, we say these words, I love you. And our kids do the same, our kids do the same thing. I once lived with a couple, uh, an American couple living overseas for a couple of months who the man would not say I love you to his wife. And I asked him about it. And I said, why, why won't you tell your wife that you love her? And he says, I told her that I loved her 30 years ago on our wedding day, and if something changes, I will let her know. 
That's horrible. That's, that's awful. That would never work in our situation. Like, my wife would be like, no, you can tell me. And it wouldn't work in my situation. Like, anyway, I can't imagine. No matter how you grew up, I believe that the love of Christ should lead us to be generous with our love. And so I want to encourage you to tell those who are closest to you that you love them and tell them that you love them frequently. I promise you, you won't forget it. I cannot imagine a scenario to where I would come to the end of my race of faith and look at anybody and go, wow, let me give you some advice, Clint. Whatever you do, don't tell your wife and kids that you love them so much. Like, I can't imagine telling somebody that. I can't imagine regretting telling my family and those closest to me that I love them more frequently. But I will tell you that if I got to the end of my life and I had not said those words, that I would have tremendous regret. So this morning, I want to talk about areas of generosity that I believe for some of you will be an attaboy or an girl. You're living these out. You're experiencing God's blessing. And I want to encourage you to continue to do what you're doing. But I think for others of you, this message is going to help you have some steps to be an on-ramp to experience God's blessings in a way that you've never experienced. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The, uh, the areas of generosity that we're going to look at in the next couple of weeks are going to be uh, going to have to do with giving financially as well as giving of our time and talents. And these two areas impact and reflect the condition of the heart like nothing else. They just do. In fact, these, are, these two areas, giving and serving, can be the last to happen for new people when they come to a church and the first thing to go as people decide to leave the church. And in some ways, it makes sense. So here's a common pattern. People begin attending the church then they start giving and then they start serving because they want to be a part of what they're investing in and they want to be a part of what's happening. And so when people are angry with the church, before their attendance drops off, they subtly begin withholding their tithes and then they step down from serving and then their attendance stops, they leave. And I know that this morning, anytime a pastor preaches on money, people can immediately put up a wall and they can say things like, he only wants your money. And I'll just tell you, it's not true. That statement is, is not true. More than anything, I want people to experience the blessing of God that comes from following him in obedience in every area of their life, including the stewardship of the financial resources that the Lord has given you. The other accusation people make is that all the church ever talks about is money. And I'll just tell you that that accusation is super lame. Right? It just is. So every single Wednesday, not Wednesday, every single Sunday, I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to take an offering. It's what we do. And... Uh, and so I think the church and the government are the only two entities that provide a service where many believe it's someone else's responsibility to pay for it. I'm going to move on. Uh, <laughs> a few years ago, we went on a generosity journey together as a church, and we handed out the book, The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. If you've not read it, I would encourage you to read it. If you want a copy of it, we would gladly get you one. Just let me or Pastor Dan know, and we'll order it for you. Or if we have some copies in the office, he'll grab one for you. I preached a, a message series by the same name, and since then, it's been unbelievable to see what God has done. So as I dive into this message today and next Sunday, I want you to know that I'm not preaching this message about giving out of a need for the church. So I will celebrate with you that the church is in the best place that it's ever been financially. We have more in reserves than we ever have 
Giving is at a level that it's never been at. And I just wanna say thank you, God. Right, We celebrate that. We have an annual business meeting every year where we are transparent about the finances, where we make those available to anybody who's at the meeting and we talk about it. And I'm just telling you that January of next year when we have our annual business meeting, it's going to be a moment of celebration. Already this year has been a banner year and we'll finish strong. So I'm not standing up here today talking about money because the church needs your money. Right? I'm talking to you about living a generous life because God wants your heart. And so as a pastor, I want your heart. I want you to be obedient to God in every area, including this area. And so a couple of years ago, we went on this journey, and we used to have multiple buckets that we asked people to give to. We'd say, hey, can you give of your tithe, 10% of your income to the local church? And above that, can you give, this kid's going on a missions trip, or this kid's going to camp and needs a scholarship, or we need to redo this portion of the building, or that portion of the building, or there's this project overseas that we want to be a part of, would you give with that? Or missionaries like Chance and Alyssa would come onto the stage, and, and we would take up an offering for that. And so a couple of years ago, we said, you know what, let's, let's do something different. Let's focus on two buckets rather than a bunch of buckets. And so we're asking people to start at the entry level of tithing, giving 10% of their income to the local church and allowing God's blessing to be poured out of you from that, to see that unleashed in your life. And the second bucket that we've asked people to give to is Kingdom Builders. So as I referenced during the offering talk, we have this booklet. And again, it's not about the dollars and cents. It's about the lives that are being impacted. This money isn't for us, right? I don't get a raise based off of how much money is given to Kingdom Builders. It's not, we're not incentivized personally. Uh, personally, for money to be given to kingdom builders. All of this goes out to fund these projects so that lives can be impacted. And it's crazy to already be at 220000 of the $275,000 goal that we've set for this year. And I believe that by the end of the year, we're going to blow past this, that there are going to be projects and missionaries that receive a blessing that they didn't even know was coming to them because we're not going to hold on to this money. This money's not given to the church. It's money given for us to funnel out and to bless other people. And so next week, we're gonna see a miracle, right, as each of us bring our best for that. So take one of these booklets home, find it online. Many have been faithful to tithe and have been generous in giving above and beyond to kingdom builders, and the impact this year is gonna be greater than it's ever been. Some of you might ask the question, when it comes to the church, should I give of my time or my talents or my treasure? Should I give of my time or my talents, or my treasure. How many of you ever heard something like that? Yeah, a few of you. And I just imagine that if we were to stand before Jesus and we were to say, Jesus, about your church, your bride, should I give of my time, or my talent, or my treasure? I'd imagine that Jesus would look at us and ask us if we're dumb. When we think of all that Christ has done for us, why in the world would we negotiate the minimums? Why would we look at the least that we could be involved? Instead, Jesus' response to us would be all of the above, your time, your treasure, and your talents. So this morning, I want to talk about uh, how to live generously in these three areas, which will carry over into next week as well. How many of you have ever been so stubborn that you just had to do things your way and find out the hard way and keep working and it still not work out the way for you and you failed? Some of you are shaking your heads, no, like this has never happened. And your wife is like nudging you and you're like, that's you. Uh, <laughs> In these areas of time, talents, and treasure, we can choose to walk in God's way and experience his blessings and unimaginable fulfillment in life. The other thing that we can do is choose our own way and be selfish and stingy and wonder why we're so miserable, 
lonely and depressed, and no matter how hard we try, we fall further behind. I want us to turn to a passage in Luke chapter five, verse number one through 11. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I've preached on it before, but this week I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me some insight into this passage that I've never seen before, and I just want to, uh, to impart that to our church today. So Luke chapter five, verse number one, it's gonna be on the screen, but I encourage you to follow along in your Bibles or on your digital device. Here's what it says. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed him. Now, many of you are familiar with this story. You've read it personally. You've been part of the men's Bible study who's read it even in the last few weeks. And uh, for others of you, you've heard me preach it or you've read it in your own time. For those of you who this is your very first time hearing this passage, I just read to you how the story starts, what happened in the middle, and how the story ends. And so at the beginning of this passage, there are people who are pressing up against Jesus wanting to hear the word of God. You have a couple of ordinary guys who have fished all night long. This was not a hobby for them. This was their profession. And so they were working third shift, and they got off, and they were cleaning their nets, and Jesus hops into their boat, and he's like, hey, guys, can, uh, can you take me out away from the crowd onto the water? And some might read this passage and think that Jesus was uh, annoyed at the crowd and just wanted to get away from them, but that wasn't the case. Instead, Jesus wanted to use their boat as a vessel to get out into the water, to use as a platform, and the water to be the amplification system so that even more people could hear what he was teaching. And so Jesus didn't get away for the sake of getting away. He got away so that he could be more effective. And these men chose that they would invest time with Jesus. These exhausted men made a decision that they were going to be generous with their time in this moment. And so they said, if Jesus wants my boat, I guess that we can stay up a little later and delay our sleep and be generous with our time. And Jesus preaches to the crowd, and then he says to Simon, all right, let's go fishing. And Simon gives this honest, vulnerable response. And he says, Master, it was a painfully frustrating night. We let the nets down into the water, and when we brought them up, they came up empty. And again, we dropped the nets, and when we brought them up, they came up empty. And again, and again, and again, and again, all night long, we dropped down the nets and we brought them up. We have nothing to sell and nothing to eat, and the only thing that we have to show for this entire night of work is tired and worn out bodies. 
Again, this wasn't a hobby for these men. This was their livelihood. And this night, this morning, they were going home from fishing all night with nothing to show for their work. They would have had the embarrassment of pulling up to shore empty-handed when maybe others had better luck. They had given their all, and their all was not good enough, and they had done all that they knew to do. And so it's with this emotion that Jesus tells them to row out further and to put their nets down again. And I don't know what the equivalent would be for you, honestly, this morning, so I just came up with a couple of them in my imagination. Maybe the crop yields are low and Jesus jumps into the combine with you and he says, hey, slow down. In fact, you better have that semi-empty and ready to go, and you better have your friend semi-empty and ready to go because this last row is gonna be where it's at. And can you imagine if you've toiled all season and the yields haven't been where they've been and Jesus says that to you, or you own a business and you've paid more to the employees and to keep the lights on that day than what you made, that you would have been better had you shut down your business for the day rather than it being open and all of a sudden at the end of the day, Jesus comes into your place, your business, and he says, hey, why don't you stay open another hour? If you're not careful, you'll miss this. Simon had a couple of ways that he could have responded. Jesus, why are you rubbing my failure in my face? I let you use my boat. You did your teaching, and now you just want to witness how bad this fishing is so that you can rub in our failures. We're not going to do it, Jesus. We're going to take you to the shore, and you can have a nice life. Some of you are going through stuff right now, and your response is going to determine your outcome. Some of you think God's being mean to you, and I'm just telling you, you might be being set up for a miracle. So Simon asked her, Master, we've toiled all night in our strength and our ability doing it our way. Master, at your word, we're done with our way. At your word, Master, you just say the word, and we'll let down the nets one more time, and we'll try it your way. And when they did, when they did it his way, look what happens. They caught a record number of fish. They had to signal for their partners in the other boats to come and bring the catch in. And as they pulled up to the shore, their boats were sinking. That's an incredible day of fishing. And Simon Peter was absolutely wrecked from that experience. Here was his response in verse number eight. He fell down at Jesus' knees and said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. They experienced a miracle when they did it God's way. And God wants us to live generous lives because he's a generous God. Think of the most quoted verses in the Bible, John chapter 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And the first area where we can live generously is with our time. We live in such a fast-paced, crazy world that some would say that they don't have time to give. In fact, some would rather be asked to give a large uh, a number, large sum of money than to be asked to give a large amount of time. But all of us have 24 hours in a day. No one gets blessed with more. How is it that some seem to be living fulfilled and others do not? I believe it boils down to priorities and aligning your life and your schedule to those priorities. We make time for what we want to do. Everybody in this room does. We make time for what we want to do. Last week, we talked about putting off the old way of life and sins and being clothed with the things of God, the, the garments that have to be taken off before the new can be put on, and the same is true with our schedules. What needs to come off so that the important and the things that fulfill can go in? 
There are a number of ways that we can be generous with our time, and the first way is by serving. We can be generous with the time we invest in serving our families, and we can be generous with the time that we invest in serving the church. For those of you who want to be generous with your time and serving the church, and you're like, is there a place for me? I don't know if there's a place for me. There's a place for you. Like, I'm just telling you that there's a place for you. And I would recommend that you do a couple of different things. One is if you already know what you're passionate about and gifted in, then I would encourage you to find the pastor who oversees that ministry. So for children's ministry, if you know that you're excited and passionate about kids' ministry, then find PG and Darlene and let them know that you want to be generous with your time in serving in those ministries. If you're passionate about youth and college students, find Pastor Madison let her know that you want to be generous in serving your time there. If you're passionate about the worship team, I'd encourage you to find Pastor Levinsky or the production team, find Pastor Fisher. If you're passionate about something else that I didn't list, then find Pastor Dan and let him know and, uh, and let him get you plugged into to those teams. The other thing is if you've not gone through growth track to discover what you're passionate about and what your giftings are, I would encourage you to go through that. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know of another church our size that has the rate of volunteerism that we have. Right, I celebrate that and I praise God for it. The amount of people who are so generous with their time in serving in the church. But I'm also gonna be honest with you and tell you that with that said, the need and the opportunity is still great. It just is. And we can see four hire signs all across our community and all across the state. And there are some times when the four hire sign exists because the company didn't do a good job of taking care of their employees. And there are other times when the four hire signs are up because those businesses are experiencing explosive growth. And I'm just going to tell you when it comes to the kids ministry and the youth and college ministry, the reason why the need and the opportunity is so great is because of the explosive growth. And so I just want to extend an invitation for some of you to be a part of those winning teams. The worship team's coming forward. These men in Luke chapter 5 made time to spend with Jesus, and they made time to serve him. They maneuvered the boat into the water for Jesus to teach. And their making time for Jesus and serving him led to an incredible miracle. I don't want you to miss that this morning. Their making time for Jesus and serving him led to an incredible miracle. What would have happened if they had made excuses or simply told Jesus that everything else is more important than spending time with him and serving him? My guess is that they would have continued to be failing at life and failing at business. Instead, verse number 11 tells us that after spending time with Jesus and serving Jesus, they realized that there was nothing more important. And so they pulled their boats that were sinking with fish up onto the shore. They left everything and they followed Jesus. You already know this. They had the worst day of fishing that they had ever experienced. And they made time to spend with Jesus and to serve him. And then they had a record day of business. The best day of fishing that they had ever had. In fact, the Bible says after verse number 11 that people were astonished and amazed. People aren't astonished and amazed at something that's not miraculous. Okay, so this tells us that this is not an ordinary day for them. And in the midst of all of that, they pulled it up on the shore and they left and they followed Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we should be generous with our time. I would imagine that these fishermen, that morning, catch this. I bet you that that morning they brought their leftovers. Let's just be honest. They've worked hard all night long. This is one more thing for them. And so in that moment, they weren't bringing Jesus their best. They weren't well rested. But they brought them what they had. They stepped in at the level that they were at. 
And so that day, if they were to do an honest assessment, they wouldn't have looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm bringing you my best. But they jumped in at the level that they were. And what did Jesus do? As they made time for him and as they served him, he performed a miracle in their midst. And I would imagine that there are some of you this morning whose priorities have been out of whack and your lives are a mess right now. And you're like, Jesus, I don't feel like I have anything to give but my leftovers. And I know that that's not acceptable, but I gotta start somewhere. And so today, I believe that if some of you will bring Jesus what you have today and you'll jump in, that he's gonna perform a miracle in your life that it's gonna inspire you to give more of your time and to give more of your resources. They experienced a miracle when they did it God's way. Some of you have been doing it your own way. You're exhausted, you're broke, you're unfulfilled, and you're wondering why. God's waiting to pour out a miracle if you'll just do it his way. His way really is the best. Some of you are already doing it, and others of you are going to jump in today and do it. You're ready to use your time, your talents, and finances in the way that God wants. The other challenge for those of you who are already in is I would encourage you to bring your best. Pastor Levinsky talked about the woman with the perfume. She didn't bring her leftovers. She brought her best. And as we think about the kingdom of God and spending time with him, let's spend our best time with Jesus. What part of the day is the best time for you and spend that time with Jesus? When we serve in the church, let's bring our best, not our leftovers. I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior and you say, today is the day that I wanna enter into a relationship with him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. And you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time, or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others? Two, three, are there others this morning? Four, you can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand all across this room. There were at least four hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if that's you, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. And this morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind with all of my strength, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. For those of you who prayed that prayer in person or online, I would encourage you to text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the word yes 
to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made and the journey that you're embarking on. In just a moment, the worship team is going to lead us in this final song. We've left time at the end of service here to uh, give you an opportunity for prayer. And so the prayer team is going to step out and, uh, and come forward. And then as soon as they start singing, I'm going to encourage you to step out of your seats this morning. But I want to pray for us before we do. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for stories like the one that we've read this morning from the Bible that aren't fairy tales. They're not made up, but instead they're real stories about real people, ordinary people that you use to accomplish extraordinary things. And so God, I pray for those this morning whose priorities are out of alignment and whose lives are mess. For those that feel like all they have to bring to you is the leftovers, I pray that today would be the day that they would bring you that. And I pray as they do that it would be inspiring for them to spend not just their leftover time with you, but instead to spend their best time with you. God, I pray for those that have been trying to do it in their own strength, in their own ability, in their own talents, and they just keep falling further behind. I pray that today that you would do like you did for these fishermen, that you would show up. And as people make time for you and as they serve you, that you would perform a miracle in their life. God, help us all to be generous, to live generously and to live generously with our time. I pray today that there would be husbands who haven't said I love you to their wives in a long time that today would walk out of this room and say it. That there would be wives who would look at their husbands and say the same words. That there would be families that have been torn apart and destroyed. That today somebody would have the courage to pick up the phone and simply say I love you and to generously lavish love. And I pray that as they do, that reconciliation would take place, that you would perform miracles, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Sincerely, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in your lives today. And so I would encourage you to not let this moment just pass by, but instead as the worship team begins to sing in the song, that you would step out of your seats and that you would come forward for prayer. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.